Will you please join me in prayer? Gracious and loving God, we, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together. Lord, for the, the chance to, to gather, to sing songs of praise, to worship you, to open your word together. And Lord, now as we, we turn to your scriptures, we, we ask that you would give us ears to hear what you have for us. And Lord, I ask that you would take my words and use them for your kingdom. We pray these things in your name. Amen. This morning, we are wrapping up a series that we've been in for the last month and a half or so, where we have been working through the first part of Acts, where we've been trying to, to learn a few lessons from the early church. So we've spent our, our time during this series recognizing that, that in some ways, in the same way that, that families are messy, the church, when we journey together, the church can be, usually is, messy. There's ups and there's downs, there's challenges and opportunities, there's reasons to mourn and reasons to, to celebrate, and there's a lot that we have to figure out along the way. And with the early church, in, in the middle of all of the uncertainty that they, they experienced, we're given an example of a community that thrived by clinging to a few tenants. We, we've talked through these over the last six weeks. They, they listened together. They tried to discern where the Spirit was leading them. They, they all had a role. They shared what they had, and everyone participated. As their community grew in number, they, they worked to, to kind of build a, a structure so the apostles would, would commit to teaching God's Word, to preaching, to, to teaching everything that, that Jesus had taught them. And then, remember, they, they found some deacons who, who would be in charge of taking care of the community that was around them. And as the church began to spread beyond the walls of Jerusalem, they had to figure out how to welcome people from different cultures, with different backgrounds, which brought on a, a whole new set of, of, of challenges. Now, the reality is that, that, yes, the world was different then than it is now today. And no, we can't just take exactly what they did then and, and kind of plop it down and say, all right, that's, that's how church looks today. I wish it was that simple. But it's not. It's not that simple. And at the same time, there's, there's a lot we can learn from the early Christian community, from what, what they learned as they journeyed together. And one of those lessons is the truth that no matter where we are on our journey of faith, no, no matter our journey of faith is just beginning or, or we have been following Jesus for the last 70 or 80 years, the invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation to a lifetime of growth. None of us sitting here this morning or, or me standing here or John sitting here can, can say, hey, what? Guess what? We've arrived. We've got the whole Christian thing figured out. We, we are all journeying, no matter where we start. Our second reading picks up right where, where Kathleen left off. Now, there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. Now, this isn't the same Ananias that we read about a couple weeks ago. This is, this is a different Ananias. Uh, Ananias we read about a couple weeks ago. Remember, those of you tracking Ananias and Sapphira? This isn't that same Ananias. This is a different Ananias. <laughs> Damascus Ananias. 
So there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias. Come, come in and lay his hands on, on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of my, my closest friends is, a, is a, a, name, a guy named Ryan, who we, we affectionately refer to as, as Rydog. Our, our friends affectionately refer to him as Rydog. Um, Ryan grew up in a, a Christian home, going to Sunday school, going to youth group, the, the, whole, the whole deal. He grew up in the church. He went away to college. He got plugged into a church. He, he became a youth advisor in his, in his church. He met his wife. And now the two of them have two boys that they are raising in, in, uh, in their own faith development. Ryan's an engineer, so he's, he's always been super analytical. But he's also one of those people that just seems to have unwavering faith. Do any of you know someone like that? Someone who just, you say, there's something about the way that this person believes that's just not wavering. You, you, can you think of someone like that in your own life? Just someone who say, how? He just, he just has this unwavering faith. He's quick to give God credit for success, and he, he doesn't hesitate to ask for prayer when he's in need. You just, you just know that he has this, this faith about him. Now, Ryan's passion is, is fly fishing, and as an engineer, he's always creating. He's always creating. So a few years ago, he had this, this idea. He wanted to create a low-cost fly reel aimed at kind of a, a younger adventure kind of action sport crowd that worked as well in a freshwater stream as it did on the shore of the saltwater beach. He knew he needed some help marketing the product, and a, and a friend connected him with a, a, a mutual friend, a guy named Cam. Cam has a foot in both the world of fly fishing and in, in the surfing world, and he agreed to help Ryan get this, this fledgling company off the ground. Ryan and Cam, they met for the first time, and then they planned a, a fly fishing trip to Mammoth. And somewhere between that first meeting and their, their trip to Mammoth, Cam had one of those dramatic come-to-faith experiences. Something similar that happened with Paul, where, where Jesus wasn't at all a part of his life, didn't grow up in the church, didn't spend any time in the church as a kid, and all of a sudden... He had a faith that he couldn't deny, but he couldn't explain. 
Ryan and Cam, they, they drove together to Mammoth, and along the way, without knowing anything about Ryan's story, Cam said, I've got this crazy thing that's happened to me, and I need to talk about it with someone. And they had seven hours to drive together to Mammoth. And then along that drive, they had this opportunity to talk about Jesus and to try to make sense of all that had happened. And then they started getting together every Thursday for breakfast, reading the Bible chapter by chapter. To this day, they still meet at least monthly. Now, Cam's upbringing wasn't anything like Ryan's. He didn't have many Christian friends. He didn't know where to turn with his newfound faith. And Ryan became that safe space for him to, to turn and, and someone he could talk with along his journey. Stories like, like Ryan's and Cam's and like Paul's and Ananias's, they remind us that following Jesus, no matter where we sit, is an invitation to constant transformation. Jesus meets us where we are, and, and that's a different place for every one of us, and then moves us along a journey. When, when I asked Ryan if I could share his, his story with Cam this morning, he, he, he was enthusiastic. He said, of course. Share that story. He said, Cam's passion for Christ has inspired me, and I'm the one who grew up in the church. I'm the one who should know all the stories, and I have learned so much from my friend who's just beginning his story. Especially as we started talking about each of our stories, and he saw the ways that I stumbled along the way. To this day, the, the two of them bless one another. They, they walk with each other. Two friends, two totally different stories, two, two totally different journeys, both transformed by what God had done and was doing in their lives. Today's scripture passage tells of two equally different stories. First, we read about Saul, who, who we later get to know by his Greek name, Paul. The, the early church had grown in Jerusalem, so Saul and his friends, they, they go door to door, knocking on the doors, and, and they say, hey, are, are you a member of the way? Are you a member of the way? The term Christian wasn't really used yet, so they go door to door in Jerusalem looking for men or women who, who claim to be members of the way. And along their journey, they, they would pull them out and they would take them to the high court, to the high priest. And they bound them and, and arrest them. Their, their goal was to eradicate this, this fledgling church that was beginning to build. The early church scatters. But Saul isn't satisfied. The work is not done. So he asked the high priest who had been given authority by the Roman government for permission to go and hunt Christians in Damascus. And to go and find them. Now, Saul, he had a unique background. He was incredibly smart. His family was well off, so they were able to send him to, to one of the brightest minds uh, in, in, in the Hebrew world. He, he became a Pharisee and became deeply committed to the Hebrew law, this very strict interpretation of the Hebrew law. And at the same time, he, he had a foot in, in the Greek culture. So he, so he kind of had this, because he was from Tarsus, so he kind of had this, this very unique perspective of, of, of kind of the, the, the worldly culture and, and what was happening in, in the church. He had a foot in each place. And for his contemporaries, 
Jesus was, was just, a much, just as much as a, a, a political threat as he was a religious one. Well, why? Why? We, we read about it a little bit, when, or a little while ago, when, 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 Paul come, or when Paul sees Jesus, he says, Who are you? Lord. Lord. Lord was a term that was reserved for, for who? Caesar. Caesar. Who are you, Lord? A term that was reserved for Caesar was being given to Jesus. Saul would have taken the, the task of ridding the world of, of Jesus' followers very, very seriously, both from his, his upbringing and from his religious convictions. It wasn't as though, and sometimes we, we paint this picture, I think, of, of, of Saul, he, he wasn't this, this loose cannon flying off the rails. That was not what Saul was about. In his mind, he was protecting the world that he knew, his church, his family's beliefs, a way of life that was supported by the government that he knew. Saul's given permission by the high priest to go to Damascus to find who had fled to Jerusalem and, and to bind them and to, to bring them back. And, and along the way, along the journey, it happens. A light flashes. He falls to the ground and he hears, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The men who are on the journey with him are speechless. And Saul calls out, who are you, Lord? Now, it's hard to imagine what went through his head when he heard the answer, I'm Jesus, the one you've been persecuting. Saul was convinced that Jesus and his followers had, had tarnished his own set of beliefs, his lifestyles, really, really everything that he was about, all that he knew. And God had called him to, to kind of clean up the mess. But now he stood face to face with the same Jesus who started the movement that he despised. It's a dramatic meeting. A dramatic conversion. Now you might not be able to see this picture too, too clearly up there, this painting. Um, the painting sits in the, the Pauline Chapel in, in the Vatican. And there's a couple things that, that stand out about it. You can, you can look it up at home later if you'd like to get a, a closer picture. Um, but there's two things that stand out to me about, about this painting. One is there, there's a degree of shock and confusion on, on all of the faces in the painting. Not just from those who are traveling with Paul down on the ground, but there's, there's also a degree of shock from, from those that are, are surrounding Jesus. As if the beings that are surrounding Jesus are saying, what in the world are you doing? Do you know who that is? And then the other thing that stands out to me is that the, the faith that Michelangelo gives to Paul, or gives to Saul, Paul, same person, he paints his face as an older man. Even though Saul was in his early 30s when he encountered Jesus. Michelangelo was, was older. This is one of his, his later paintings that he, that he painted. And, and some believe he gave Saul the faith that he did to, to reflect his own faith journey. To reflect his own faith journey in the faith journey of Saul. To, to kind of express his own struggles along his own faith journey, even in his advanced years. But Saul isn't the only one who hears from Jesus, right? 
That's usually the story we hear here is that, that Saul he hears from Jesus has this dramatic shift, but, but so does this, this other person, Ananias, in Damascus. He has a vision of his own. He's told to get up and to go to a very specific place. Judas' house on Straight Street. It's hard to say, Straight, straight Street. Judas' house on Straight Street. It's the closest you can get to an exact address. The closest you can get to an exact address. And there, inside that house, you'll find Saul of Tarsus praying. And Ananias understandably says, What? Lord, you can't be serious. I know about this man. I know better than you. I, I know about what this man has been doing. If you send me there... It's not just a death sentence to me. It's the end of the church in Damascus. The Lord responds, go. He's the instrument, or another translation of that is he is the vessel I have chosen to take the gospel to the Gentiles, the kings, and the other Jews. And don't worry, he'll suffer plenty for my namesake. I love that that's kind of tagged on there. Now, we don't know a whole lot about this Ananias. We're told in the passage that he's a disciple from Damascus, which leads us to believe there was, there was already a, a Christian community in the city. And later in Acts, we're told that, that he respected, he was a respected man in the Jewish community as well. And Luke writes that, that he walks into the house and he, he lays his hands on Saul and says, Brother Saul. Brother Saul. Ananias greets the man who is sent to arrest him, probably to kill him, with brother. Brother. Now, can you imagine what was going through his head as he made his way into Judas's house on Straight Street? He had to be thinking, God, are you sure? You really better know what you're doing here. And all of that goes out the door when he sees Saul sitting there, defeated, confused, helpless. Brother. And Ananias lays his hands on Saul and something that looks like, like scales falls from his face, from his eyes. He's baptized, and I imagine the, the two of them spent some time kind of unpacking what had happened together over the next few days. Now, there are all kinds of, of paintings uh, around that, that, that show Saul's conversion on his way to Damascus, but, but far fewer of what happens inside Judas's house on Straight Street. This one's from a, a 17th century artist. Um, which is the, the Baroque period. And all I remember from art history is the line to study for the test. If it's not Baroque, don't try to fix it. Um, 17th century, 17th century um, artist uh, who's actually more well-known for his architecture than, than anything else. Um, and when I look at this picture, I, I can't help but notice how vulnerable Saul looks. How, how, how vulnerable he looks and how Ananias is depicted as this, this older man full of wisdom, full of compassion, welcoming brother, welcoming Saul. Now, both this painting and the other show two faith stories colliding together. 
The transformation of Saul begins on the road to Damascus, but it doesn't end there. Now, if you read through Paul's writings, starting with 1 Thessalonians and then through, through Romans, which is kind of the chronological order of, of his, his letters, you, you see that this growth, this transformation continues. And in Galatians, you read some of the same things you, you read in Romans, but they're written very differently. You see some continual growth and transformation along his journey. And Ananias' transformation doesn't necessarily begin when he's told to go to Saul. He had already begun his, his journey, but he's definitely changed when he's called to be by Saul's side. Now Luke, remember the author of, of Acts, has a way in his writings where, where he makes these kind of profound statements, but almost does throw, does throw and throw away comments. So at the end of Acts 9.19, we didn't read this earlier, but he writes this. For several days, Saul was with the disciples in Damascus. Saul was with the disciples in Damascus. Imagine what those disciples thought in Damascus when Ananias walked in with Saul. Imagine what they thought as they, they shared the story. They knew who Saul was. They, they knew what he was about. God was transforming them in the same way that he was transforming Saul. A Pharisee freed of hatred and judgment. And disciples freed from prejudice and fear. Now, none of our faith journeys look exactly like Paul's, and, and none of our faith journeys look exactly like Ananias's. Some of us have gone through dramatic conversions, and, and some of us grew up in the church. Some of us grew up kind of molded by a faith community, and, and some of us didn't have that faith community. But wherever you sit today, wherever you are on your journey, Know that God longs to meet you and move you right in that place. Let's pray. Loving God, whether we've been walking with you for years or our journey has just begun, Lord, we ask that you'd meet us and move us. Help us to be a people who pay attention to your voice, who listen for your call, and who are changed in our response. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.